This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Nor as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank, but I appreciate the Count stopping by from Sesame Street. <laughs> it's a comedy podcast about death where two brothers, Hank and John Green, will give you uh, some dubious advice, answer your questions, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Uh, hi, John. How are you? Uh, you know the truth. Like, if Mm. we're going to be perfectly honest. Oh, God, no. I don't want to know the truth. Lie to me. Lie. Lie. I can't. I can't lie. (laughs) I can't lie. Then then you should ask me how I'm doing. I, Hank, I have had one of the most, like, emotionally, in terms of my professional life, just, like, emotionally up and down weeks I can remember. I've laughed. I've cried. I've had panic attacks, threw up mm. from nervousness. Mm. Uh, mm. It's just been up and down. It's been every which way but Sunday, as um, my mother used to say. I, I, that, that, by the way, that that old phrase never made any sense to me. I, I don't really know what it means um, because Sunday isn't even a way, but it reminds <laughs> me of something else. The answer to your question is that I'm doing really well right now, like super well. Oh, good. Uh, but Great. I had some... Okay. I had some hard times in my past but the uh i just want to quickly tell you a story which is that i used to always explain to my now seven-year-old son when one uh, somebody would say something that was just like a weird euphemism or something that like doesn't make sense if you are a literal uh translator Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. english as most like four and five-year-olds are i would just be like henry that's an old saying you know it's just an old saying and here's what it means and one time I, uh, I was driving Henry back from uh, picking up some kind of horrible, uh, you know, fast food dinner that uh, I'm sure his mother would have not approved of. And we're driving back and he's eating his French fries in the car seat. And he says to me, uh, lemon, salty, whales. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, lemon, salty, whales. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, Dad, it's just an old saying. <laughs> hey, John, the world's been around for a long time. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe somewhere there's a culture that where people are just like, oh, lemon salty whales. Got us again. <laughs> what? What you going to do? <laughs> you know, you, you think you think you're in control of your life and you think things are going pretty well. And then poof, lemon salty whales. Well, speaking of lemon salty whales, John, uh, I got this. I got this microscope, yeah. you know, uh, recently. Uh, yeah, and I do. Know. I have been having a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, how sometimes you'll turn your keyboard over and you just tap it on your desk and uh, just to uh-huh. clean it out because there's some stuff in there. 
Well, mm -hmm. I took that stuff and I pu put it in a little pile and I put it on my microscope plate and then I pointed my microscope at it and don't do that. Really? Mm, it's just a, I didn't want to know. Just a bunch of dead skin cells, right? It's just a, it's a, you know, it's so, it's so many different things. How can so many different things get in there? It's just, um, I would imagine it's just dead skin cells, which is one of the very few things that I'm not pathologically afraid of. <laughs> it's also, it was a bunch of food. It was a lot of food, a lot of little bits oh, of yeah, food, food too, particles. And like, but also things I didn't recognize and sure. like, uh, like things that looked like crystals. And I don't mm. know. And maybe, I don't know if it's like the, the, the leavings of, uh, of bugs as well, maybe. Oh, uh, yikes. Yeah. I bug poop. Mm hmm. Yeah. I do bugs poop. Of course they poop, John. Mm, they got a great. front end and a back end, and it goes through the tube just like us. Uh, I, I guess I wasn't thinking about like uh, like roaches when I was thinking about bugs. I was thinking about you know like uh, I don't know like an amoeba. Oh uh, well, amoebas are not bugs. <laughs> okay, and I don't. Good and they know. have waste, but they don't. They do not poop. They do not have a tube. Amoebas. All right. Have a tube. Well, with that noted, let's move on to some questions from our listeners. Okay, I got one that uh, that I think we have a good answer to, John. Great. And I think I think that we've had a good answer to it. it, it humanity has had a good answer to it, or at least the English-speaking huma humanity has. And uh, we need to share it. It's from Jade, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, I work in a therapy office, and about half of our clientele is couples and families. I usually refer to the couple or family as uh, the the unit as you guys, as in your appointment started ten minutes ago. Are you guys still able to make it?" Mm -hmm. I've always disliked that uh, male nouns and pronouns are considered universal slash the default. I'm sure that our female clients are used to being referred to as you guys, uh, and it probably doesn't bother them too much. But I, as a female, know that there uh, know that if there was a more inclusive word or phrase people could use, I would want them to use it. Is there another word or phrase that I can use to be more inclusive? Thanks, there Jade. Is. Of, cor of course there is. There is. You want to say it on three, Hank? Yeah, sure. One, two, three. Y'all. Y'all. Yeah. We have already invented this word. And just because it is closely associated with the American South does not mean that it is not a useful and good word. Admittedly, I am from the American South. I say y'all very <laughs> comfortably. It doesn't sound weird to me. It never has. But y'all is a great gender neutral word for the plural you and solves one of the great problems in English, which is that you and you is both singular and plural. It's extremely confusing and it needed to be addressed and we have addressed it successfully. <laughs> uh, so this is a unrelated side note here. When I, I took Spanish in high school, and there's a, a plural noun uh, for we, nosotros, and uh, and it and because nouns in Spanish are gendered, there's nosotros and there's nosotras, and if you're a group of guys, you're nosotros, and if you're a group of girls, you're nosotras, but my Spanish teacher literally said this to me, if it is a stadium of women, and there is one mm -hmm. man, it is nosotros. So, like, if it's a group Oy. of of split... Uh, like multiple people, but like all you need is one dude to, to, and I thought that was like so wrong and weird and bad. But at the same time, like we say you guys for any group of people. That's true. So it's, it's everywhere. And, uh, and it is a convenience, uh, and it is also illustrative. Um, I think y'all is plenty illustrative, actually, and I'm not backing down off of my support for oh, no, y'all. No, no, it no. is the greatest word <laughs> that is not widely utilized in the English language. I, when I say illustrative, I mean it is it is illustrative of a uh, of a of a deeper thing in oh. our culture. Oh yeah, no, it definitely is illustrative of that of 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 a system. Yes. Um. Quite. Yes. Quite. Quite. But I'm Hank, I have another question, and it's very important. I'm sorry. I think we need to get to it. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, it's time sensitive, okay? Okay. And that, it's a hard that's one. That's bad. That's bad news, because these do take a while to get up. Uh, dear John and Hank, I, I have the same name as Trump's new FBI director. I'm afraid the Russians will come after me. What do I do? My claim to fame is my name, Christopher Ray. <laughs> I mean, Chris... There's an easy solution here, which is just like, wait a couple weeks. Because he's not going to be the next director of the FBI, Chris. <laughs> I mean, and if he, even if he is, he's just going to get fired. Yeah, I mean, at uh, most he'll be... It's, it's not a job with a, with a long life. His best case scenario is director of the FBI for 14 hours. 
that's as good as it's going to get for Christopher <laughs> Ray. So if you just hold on to your name, you're going to be fine. But that's not actually what I would recommend because I also disagree with the premise of the question because I would argue that the uh, the Russians are not going to be coming for Christopher Ray. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what the Russians want, John, and that's what they want. Hank, uh, we have decided not to talk about this in public in detail, and I think that is the right decision. But uh, you and I have both received uh, some information that uh, actual hackers sponsored by an actual government have pursued information related to us. Yes, that's correct. Uh... uh uh, uh, it is deeply disturbing. I'm, I'm trying to choose my words extremely carefully. It is deeply disturbing to us and also it really um, highlights how common this must be since mm-hmm. Hank and I are, are not, I would say, A-level targets. <laughs> yeah. Like if I were a foreign government and I wanted to access even the the information related to, say, a thousand Americans. I just don't think I would put me on the no, list. We're definitely not on the list. I mean, what they probably do, John, is they just go through Twitter and and they try and hit anybody who has a, a substantial number of followers. Um, and and they're just you know just information gathering. But yeah, it is really like it's super weird. It's super weird to get get that note. It's scary. Um, I mean, there's no getting around it. So um, Christopher Ray, to be totally honest with you, I would probably. Uh, turn on two-factor authentication on, on your on your email and all your social media accounts that matter to you. That's my honest advice. I, I I would do that if I were you. I don't think that's an overreaction. No, yeah, and it's it's, it's you know it's not just the, the Russians coming for you. Anybody wants access to that but, but, stuff. But, 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 but I'm just going to stop you right there. Yeah. We do not know if it was the Russian government. No, and um. And even if it were, I would just like to state for the record that I think the Russian government has often been misunderstood. And, and they're very <laughs> super nice folks, just like they're real. doing a really good job <laughs> leading the country of Russia. <laughs> and if anything, I think that they need to have more influence on American politics. <laughs> so I just want to state that that is my I am Hank. I am a coward. That's one of the other things I learned from this experience. I am a weak, weak man. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird when somebody comes for you. Uh, and it, it's like, ah, I learned something about myself today. I just want to have a good time and not be dealing with that. I just want to have a good, safe life. Jesus Christ, just let me stay here in Indianapolis and have a normal life. Oh, my God. That was my immediate reaction. Uh, So, yeah. I mean, usually I would be like, oh, this is not a big deal. Just go by your middle name or we would come up with a bunch of jokes. But I actually did want to tell you to go ahead and turn on two-factor authentication. It's the least that you can do. Mm -hmm. And also probably the most that you can do. This question comes from Wesley, who asks, Dear Hank and John, what is the best way to introduce my young son to Star Wars? Should I try try and hold back as much as I can until he's between four and five and then show him the original trilogy? Or should I throw caution to the wind and allow my own Star Wars obsession to spill over into his life as well? Lasers, swords, and burp brags, Wesley. So I have a pretty strong opinion about this, Hank. Well, I mean... Because I've I've been through it. oh, 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 John, this morning, we put... Oren, for the first time, into the Star Wars uh, cute thing that you got him, by the way. Yeah. He is now big You're enough welcome. to wear it. It's adorable. So he's already starting. Good. Like, he's seven months old, and he's already a fan. Right, but but he hasn't seen the movies yet. Here's my theory, and I'm going to try to say this without spoilers. There's something that happens in those movies, specifically toward the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back, that is a, oh, wow, holy crap oh my gosh moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the great oh my gosh moments in the history of any movie. And your kid has to be old enough in that moment to have that oh wow experience mm-hmm. or else the the trilogy will kind of be lost on them. Now, I guess they can watch the prequels whenever. <laughs> but the... Uh, but movies four, five, and six, I think you have to get 
that oh wow moment. Now I have friends who showed uh, who are big believers that the order should, should when you share it with your kids should be first movie four Star Wars A New Hope mm-hmm. and then the prequels and then movie five so you can get the full boom of that oh my gosh moment. But I think your kids have to be old enough to get that and also kind of maybe old enough to to be able to watch the not insignificant amount of violence. Yeah. Uh, but, and then there's the secondary issue, which is that if you wait too long, the whole thing gets spoiled on the freaking playground. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't really know how to be a human in the world who, who hasn't been spoiled on that spoiler. Uh, I mean, you totally can be. I, there's lots of humans in the world who haven't been spoiled on that spoiler. But it is... Uh, the 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 extent as far as i can tell the only thing that happens on the playground at henry's school is that uh the kids swap spoilers for all the books that they're reading like we're reading harry potter right now and wow and i mean it's not just that Henry knows some spoilers. Henry knows like an incredible. He knows thousands of spoilers. He knows that he's essentially read, been read the books by his <laughs> classmates in such a way that like while we're reading the book, he'll be like, "You know what's about to happen?" And I'll be like, "No, I don't know what's about to happen, even though I do." And he'll be like, "Dragons," and I'll be like, "Dragons," and I'll say, "And not just any dragon, a Hungarian horntail." And I'll be oh like, my God. how? Wow. How? Well, that's, I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. Like, I like the idea of people, like, telling these stories to each other in their own way. There's something, there's something, not, like, especially children. Uh, like, like they, they love the story so much they want to tell each other the story. And, like, it, it becomes, you know, it's a, and they get to practice their storytelling skills and, and they get to entertain each other in that way. Like, I, I kind of like that. And that, you know, that might be more important than, you know, getting that big, oh my gosh moment, but maybe not. Um, But, 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 but Wesley, there's really good news for your specific situation, which is that if you want to uh, save that, the, the, you know, the original trilogy, uh, you can, because there is a lot of Star Wars stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the original trilogy. That's a very good point. Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, you can. There is so much kid-focused Star Wars stuff for you to show your children. Yeah, that's a great point, Hank. I mean, yeah, you, and and you can save that. You can save the original trilogy for when they are old enough. Uh, for that. On that uh, front, I have to say there's a, a series of uh, Star Wars kind of like middle grade and YA novels that have come out lately. Uh, mm-hmm. One was written by yeah. Beth Revis, one by Adam Gidwitz. They're really good. Uh, so yeah. that might be something that you can uh, share with them as well. Okay, Hank, this question comes from our old friend Anonymous who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm a 17-year-old gay girl living in a Middle Eastern country and I am extremely privileged. I go to one of the best high schools in my city and I live in a highly comfortable life surrounded by people People who love and support me. My dilemma is, I still hate it here. I'm miserable living in this country, even though I have so much privilege. I feel stifled and depressed that I can't be who I am. I am so tired of having to be in the closet to everyone because I could actually go to jail for it. And I don't want to hate it. I feel like I have no right to hate where I live when I have such a comfortable life and other people are suffering so much more than I am, even in the same city, going to bad schools, barely enough to eat, and horrible health care. Is it okay that I'm not happy and dislike my country even after my life has been amazing here? Hope and Feathers Anonymous. Um, no, yeah, it's fine. It, that's fine. I mean, first of all, you you can you can like some things about your life and about about how how your life is and about the privileges you've had, and also dislike other things. Yeah, about your life and about and about how you are being controlled and not allowed to be the way that you are. Yeah, I mean, that's an extreme form of oppression to not be able to be yourself and to have forces that are larger than you saying that who you are is not okay and that uh, who you are is in fact illegal, uh, which is what what the government is telling you. And that's a very, very hard thing uh, to hear. It's a dehumanizing thing to hear. And I don't think that there's uh, the the privileges that you've enjoyed in any way uh, lessen or diminish that. Would it, would it be harder to be the same person and having not enjoyed those privileges? Of course it would be. But that doesn't mean that, that your pain and your experience uh, 
isn't real and isn't painful because it certainly is. I mean, that that sounds really, really difficult to me. I want to be really careful here not to out people, but I know people uh, who are living in similar situations and uh, it is extremely difficult even if you have all of the privileges in the world, all the structural privileges in the world, all the money in the world, is it is extremely difficult to be told by your community and your government that who you are as a person uh, is illegal and wrong and not fully human. I mean, that's a, those are incredibly mm-hmm. difficult things to hear. Yeah, and I mean, there's there are also hopefully maybe ways to to like things about your your culture and about your traditions while also uh, really disliking that part of your of of your country of the the thing that you are inevitably a part of like it is you know where you are will always be a part of you and um, and you can you can hate that thing and but but hopefully still not hate everything about this other piece of your identity which is you know your home. Yeah, but that's it's a very difficult thing and I also don't want to yeah. I, I don't want to pretend that Hank or I can give you a uh, clear answer on that. I can tell you that as I, I hope you know you're not alone in that and uh, that the struggle for justice and the struggle for accepting people as fully human uh, it, it's going to take a while. It's going to be difficult, but I think we see in human history causes for hope. So I hope I hope that that gets better for you. I hope that uh, you're more comfortable with your life as time goes on. But I also want you to know that um, you shouldn't certainly be beating yourself up over feeling that pain because it seems to me that that pain is very real. This next question comes from Corey, who asks, Dear Hank and John, so as a 14, soon-to-be 15-year-old, my hormones and my genetics make it so that a good amount of acne tends to appear on my face. At the same time, hair tends to sprout from my face as well. Not wanting to go through the commitment of growing a full beard. Also, let me be frank, you probably can't. Uh, I have to, on multiple occasions, shave my face, but with said acne... Uh, it can be very difficult to do that without cutting my face. So I ask whether it would be better just to wait till I'm done with the whole puberty thing, or is there some magical trick to not cutting your face? Well, you've come to the right place, Corey, because Hank and I are both <laughs> experts in really bad pubescent facial hair. <laughs> and also, you know, a fair amount of, though certainly not uh, not, not the, the worst acne that has ever happened, um, and which is like can be a really difficult and painful thing. Uh, what I will say, uh, don't use a razor. Get an electric shavy thinger, and, and and that will make it so much easier and so much less painful. And also, you'll have fewer scabs and fewer bleeding and less bleeding and all that. So get get a, an electric shaver with a guard. Um, you know, they can, over the life of it, it will probably be about the same price as buying razors anyway. Um, and if you can't afford that, then ask, ask your parents to help you with this thing that is difficult. Um, and hopefully they, they will and can. Uh, yeah, I totally disagree with your advice. What? I do. I don't. I mean, you're wrong. (laughs) So Hank, unlike you, I went to boarding school for Mm -hmm. high school. Uh, and also I hit puberty very late, which meant that... I experienced, like most of my puberty-related learning from my peers, mm-hmm. um, there are parts of that that I can recommend. There are many <laughs> parts that I, I can say are not be- not the best, not the best. Um, and one of the ones that isn't the best is that my 10th grade girlfriend, Fran, uh, taught me how to shave because okay. she'd become fed up with what she referred to uh, as my Fisher-Price, my first mustache. Uh, <laughs> A a joke that, like several other jokes Fran uh, used, I have stolen, I think, twice in two different novels uh, because I liked it so much. Uh, so shout out to Fran. 
who these days is doing amazing work on behalf of LGBTQ uh, youth all over the country and uh, had a huge, huge role in getting uh, marriage equality, uh, the law of the land here in the United States. She's an amazing, amazing person. But the point is that she taught me how to shave. And I would say that that maybe is not like not her number one area of expertise. But I have stuck with the Fran method for shaving ever since. I have I know of no other method. I mean, how every, is this how is this helpful? It sounds to me like you've time made a I huge shave, mistake. Hank, every single time I shave, even now as a 39-year-old person, I hear Fran's voice explaining to me how to do it. And uh I'll tell you, the Fran way of shaving, which is to always shave with the grain even though it leads to a less close shave, mm-hmm. does result in significantly fewer yeah. uh, cuts on uh, sure. on pimples. So that is my advice, is the Fran way of shaving. Just don't go against the grain. Let yourself not have okay. the cleanest possible okay. shave, uh, and, and then you're less likely to uh, burst those pimples. Agreed, but you will be even less likely if you get an electric shaver with a guard and use that, which is basically designed for zero irritation at all. I, I mean, I've never even heard of an electric shaver, so this is <laughs> complete news to me. Um, also, I will suggest uh, j- Google how to safely shave with acne, and uh, I and I watched a little bit of this video that this guy made. Um, his name is Brian, and it uh, seemed like good advice. And I wish that I had had YouTube videos to Google and podcasts to ask questions to when I was shaving around my uh, terrible spots. Okay, I would. I, I just want to say one thing here, Hank, which is that um, anybody who ever asks us any question should just go to Google. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Google, I have the same name as Trump's new FBI director. Yeah, it's going to get a way better answer. Oh, okay, Hank, let's move on to a question from Marie, who writes, Dear Hank, and last but not least, John. That's honestly, that's worse. <laughs> I just, I know that that means, but actually least. It always does. It always, The only time it doesn't mean last but not least is when it's like uh, a, a bunch of people are being introduced. Like one time I remember I was at a uh, movie screening and they introduced everybody and then they were like, you know, and last but not least, Shailene Woodley. And we were all like, oh, yeah, no, we get it. Shailene's the most important person here. Um But anyway, dear Hank and last but not least, John, it seems that all mammals except for orangutans, chimpanzees, gorillas, and bonobos can swim. Humans can swim too, but they have to actually acquire this skill while all the other animals capable of swimming don't. My main question is, how did humans start swimming? Why must this, what must this individual have been thinking to come up with this idea. I, I suspect <laughs> I suspect that individual was thinking, I want food and there's food in that water. But anyway, yep. <laughs> additional super extra bonus question. Do you think there is a way to teach one of the apes mentioned above to swim? Shoots and ladders, Marie. Shoots and ladders is a great sign off because yeah. just like life, that game is completely arbitrary. Uh, <laughs> and right when you think you're winning, it turns out that you are at your most vulnerable. Um. I did a little bit of research on this, and unsurprisingly, we aren't sure how many mammals can swim because we don't Mm. uh, make a habit of just, like, throwing, like, the hundreds of different species of bats into a lake and seeing what happens. Mm. Are bats mammals? Sure they are, John. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that there are a number of mammals that cannot swim. Armadillos, for example don't do well in water, uh, as you might expect. They're covered in uh, heavy bony, or not bony plates, but uh, heavy keratinous plates, and they don't have much ability to move their arms, so they just sink. Uh, they don't, they uh, don't do water good. Just uh, just quick, uh, quick heads up. Armadillos can swim. In fact, they like to swim. Wait a second. Not all yeah. species. Uh, I'm just telling you that I am looking right now at an armadillo swimming. It's sort of a dog paddle thing. I mean, I wouldn't say that this armadillo oh is God. an amazing swimmer, I mean, but John, it's swimming. I almost want to cut this out of the podcast because I said that so confidently and I'm so wrong. I know. Well, it's just, it's pretty typical actually of the things you say very confidently. <laughs> I mean, this, this, this armadillo isn't only swimming, it's diving beneath the water. And like, yeah, I would argue this armadillo is actually better a better swimmer than I am. <laughs> it's 
That's amazing. I can read... you think of another mammal that might not like to swim that I can provide a YouTube video providing evidence otherwise? Um, I mean, there, there's a picture here of an armadillo competing against human swimmers. I believe it's photoshopped. <laughs> Probably photoshopped. But but if I say it confidently enough, then, you've, then we, we've yeah. got it. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to come in and correct you and be like, actually, Hank, an armadillo once won a silver medal at the Olympics in the 200 meter fly. <laughs> Uh, His name was Dan. I, I read an article that was like armadillos can't swim, and I was lied to. Um, what but, other? Uh, what? Hey, Hank, quick question. Yeah. What other mammals do you think can't swim? You know, I don't. I don't know. But like, I know that we don't just go around throwing uh, throwing animals into lakes. Uh, but okay, I, well, I we know. Also, I will also tell you that like chimpanzees and orangutans can swim. I don't know about other these other other primates listed, but um, but they can. It turns out swimming is a thing, but like it is interesting that humans do have to learn to swim, and I'm curious whether that is the case for these primates as well. Like maybe not all chimpanzees can swim, uh, but I don't know. The oh my god, I am watching a video of a chimpanzee swimming, and it is the cutest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> but there oh is, my god, there is a, a there are a widespread myth that chimpanzees can't swim. There's a widespread myth also that camels can't swim which would make sense because they're big mm -hmm. giant things that live in the desert and they like have these long legs that you would imagine don't catch a lot of water but camels can also swim this chimpanzee it doesn't just know how to swim it knows how to tread water so that it can just stand upright and be comfortable it this is an amazing this chimpanzee I don't know if chimpanzees are eligible for the Olympics but if they are I think that we've got a serious issue on our hands <laughs> We might have seen the last human swim swimming Olympian. This is amazing. Oh, he's How many so countries happy. Have... Oh, he's I know. he loves it. He loves it. Are you it, watching God. the one about Cooper? And he, can yes. he, he even breathes underwater. He, he blows bubbles underwater. He it's adorable. He likes it so much. He's like, I'm in the pool. I get to hang out in the pool. Yeah. No. Thanks, okay. Everybody. So the answer is, uh, the answer is that all mammals can swim. Period. <laughs> Except for humans. Except for humans, but we, we can learn how to swim. And I think the reason we struggle with swimming naturally is, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure you have to teach chimpanzees a little bit, but I also suspect you have to, like armadillos have to teach other armadillos probably somehow. I, maybe not, I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> I'm so far outside my area of expertise right now. Can it, the only thing I know for sure is that I know squirrels can swim mm -hmm. because they can surf. Yep. I haven't found a I haven't found a video of a gorilla swimming. The one that I found uh, clearly is fake, but everybody thinks it's real in the comments. And wow, uh, but ap apparently humans are just real bad at stuff. Uh, we have to we have to learn this seemingly innate skill that all other mammals have. But I think to get to the point of how did we learn it? I I, I mean, there's so much food in the ocean, and a lot of the earliest human, uh, well, a lot of successful early human communities lived near water yeah 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 either near a river or near an ocean and at some point like wading just becomes not that great i would also argue though that like based on watching my kids like you do so you sort of learn to swim from learning but you mostly learn to swim from being in the water you just do it and you're like oh, i can catch i'm catching on here yeah yeah you start out with the doggy paddling and then you just kind of go from there this question comes from Helen who asks, Dear Hank and John, I just got a voicemail on my phone that was not addressed to me. The message seemed important and urgent even. My question to you is whether I should call back and tell them that I'm not the person they intended to call. Helen, of course you should. Helen? It's If it's urgent, at least in the two, text. Two notes. One, how could you send us this email and not tell us what the freaking urgent Seriously. news is? Yeah, now what? I'm stressed out. Yeah. Well, yeah, how urgent? How urgent was it? Was it like? Was it like? I'm at the hospital. My baby. Did Helen leave her phone number? You know, Helen. Helen did not. Did not leave her phone number for us. She John. did not leave her phone number. Oh my god. You gotta oh. do it. You gotta call. You gotta. You got You got at least text. Obviously, you have to call. But we have a problem now, Hank. Helen had a problem, which is that she didn't know that she had to call to let the person know that they were leaving the voicemail on the wrong phone. But now you and I have a problem, which is that I don't know what the content of that urgent news was, and until I do, I am going to worry that it was something horrible. Well, you know, I mean, it's almost certainly something like. Uh... <sighs> Some business thing or like taxes or something. I like, 
which is to be clear horrible and if you know it you could don't, be something much wor- it could be much worse than that it could it could be i mean it, it's almost as if one of us professionally uh thinks of circumstances for a living oh Dr- dramatic God. circumstances it's a, it's a, oh i mean oh it could it, helen i'm gonna need a follow-up just i need to know that everything turned out all right or i am not just i'm not gonna be able to close the loop on that one mm-hmm. and it's just gonna make me miserable so helen please please reach back out to us tell me that you're a regular listener to the pod not somebody who just dipped in because you needed advice. I, I can't imagine anybody comes here for actual advice, though. Please tell me it all worked out okay. <laughs> but yes, if somebody leaves, I guess maybe you can text them. I, I, I can see how somebody might do that as a way of trying to like get you to call back. And then maybe it's a phishing thing. Uh-huh. So you got to be careful about phishing, obviously, in every situation these days. But I, uh, yeah, if it seemed honest, I would worry about it. Yeah. Well, I mean... And, probably you can text it right back if it bounces back and it says it's a landline just call and be like hey just so you know yeah it's it's all part of the, it's all part of how the world works we have to we have to fix it when little things like that go wrong okay we got a question from Maddie who writes dear green brothers I'm 19 years old and I'm working at my first full-time job the job is pretty boring and some days it feels like I don't actually do anything and I might be working <laughs> for a fake company <laughs> well, that's a, that is a concern that, is that is that, that the question? I mean, I wouldn't say that's a concern. I would say that it's a point of interest, though. (laughs) However, this quote-unquote company gives me an hour for lunch, and I have no idea what to do with it. Some days I have a car, so I'll drive around a bit, but that wastes gas and kills future children. (laughs) What can I do for an extra hour? Oh, my God. Touch, uh... Touch, touch not the cat without a glove, Maddie, which is good life advice. I don't know if there's anything else to that quote. Like, I don't know if it's from Shakespeare or something. No, but it's, I, uh, I'm it's, all- it's, uh, it's from, from her clan, from Clan Chatton, which is the clan of the cats. It's the Scottish clan motto, which means don't mess oh. with us or we'll get you back harder, basically, is what oh. she says in the PS here. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I want to have a clan motto. Seriously, Hank, right? why don't we have a clan motto? because well, we're Irish, John. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Oh, terrible. You know, some somewhere uh, our great grandfathers are like standing up out of the grave, screaming at us for saying that we wanted to be Scottish. <laughs> uh, there was not a lot that uh, our uh, grandfather Green cared about more than that we understood that we were Irish, and not only Irish but that we uh, were a a particular political persuasion of Irish that we don't need to get into at the moment. (laughs) Hank, Maddie is working for a fake company that gives her an hour for lunch. (laughs) Uh, Isn't it possible, Maddie, that you're just working for a company that doesn't, isn't just, isn't doing a lot of business at the moment and that they're giving you an hour for lunch because that's what any normal employer would do? Yeah, an hour for lunch isn't, isn't super uncommon. Um, and it should it shouldn't be geez i mean i yeah i've definitely not gotten an hour for lunch some but but i mean like i can't i can't like what do you do for a normal hour you have a phone right like is there wi-fi because i think bring a book or bring a book you know john when i worked at walmart i would like take books from walmart and read them and then return them to the shelves Yeah, no, that works. I mean, there's no reason you can't do that. So if you're in a, in a place where there are books, just take existing books, read them and return them to the shelves. Otherwise, go to your local public library, get a book and enjoy that hour of reading per day as kind of a yeah. relaxation. Although it sounds like potentially your job itself is pretty relaxing <laughs> since there, there don't seem to be any customers. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think you should uh, definitely listen to podcasts. But yeah, you don't have to like, uh, you don't usually have to leave during your lunch break. Do they have, like, there should be a place where you can go during that time and sit around listen to oh, podcasts maybe they're like uh maddie we're gonna need you to leave for an hour for your lunch break right because we're and then maddie has to be like uh okay i'll see and then she has to leave because and that's when they launder the money up the drugs no they're laundering the money right uh, yeah. I, they're they're, re- they're remaking a, there the was a receipts. store there, there was a store in lincoln square in chicago where i lived for many years um, and we were all pretty sure that it was a front for something, and we would always make a joke about it. We'd always be like, there's nobody ever in that place. It must be a front for something. And then one day, the FBI came, <laughs> and it was a front for something. 
That's great. That happened in, in mom and dad's town too. It was like this like hot dog place and it turned out that they were having like high stakes gambling in the back. Oh yeah, I remember that. No, this was a uh, this was a straight money laundering operation. It was straight laundering of drug money. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And they, they, they were saying that they, you know, were a wildly popular business and there was literally never anyone in there. And when you would go in there, the service you got was exceptionally weird and poor. Um, so I don't know, Maddie, if you've been told to be super rude to customers to try to keep them out. But if you have, that might be another <laughs> uh, red sign. flag that you might be yeah. working for a front business. Yeah, but well, I mean, guess what's the, what's the thing to do if you are actually working for a front business? Are you just like, well, I'm not going to rattle the cage here because I don't want to get in trouble with the law or also the potential uh, mafia that I'm working for. I think if you're working for a front business and you know you're working for a front business, you probably have a legal and ethical obligation not to turn them in necessarily, but to maybe uh, submit your notice. Yeah, be like, I have, oh boy, I got this great opportunity working yeah, for a I podcast. Yeah, I just, I've got this, I just, yeah, <laughs> by the way, if you need an excuse, just tell them that you're coming to work for or, us. No, just, We're say, just say like, ah, oh, hey, Mafia boss, uh, my podcast got really big, so I'm doing that full time now. And they'll be like, what is that? And they're like, it's an internet thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then they'll be like, uh, you need some protection for that podcast. And you'll be like, no, I don't think so. And then the next Not week, really sure that that's how it works. your podcast is going to be destroyed. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's gonna God, throw a window now right I've got to pay protection podcast. money for my podcast. Wow, I just said throw a window through your podcast, mm. which is not really what I meant, but also also bad. Like, you don't want someone to throw a window through your window. Yeah, That's no. worse than a brick. Very bad. Much worse That's than a brick. That's double the glass. Yeah. So much broken glass to clean up, <laughs> if nothing else. Maybe it was a double-paned window that they threw through your window. We need a podcast mafia. It's a great business idea, Hank. <laughs> like, the number one thing... That podcasts are missing right now is an organized crime syndicate that extracts value out of podcasts. <laughs> it's good. We, I mean, if anybody can do, don't you? Don't you think that it would be us? I mean, I, we don't have a strong criminal past, but we do have a strong past of organizing creators around certain goals, mm-hmm. and this would just be organizing creators around the goals of not getting your podcast destroyed by Hank and John Green. Well, John, this this podcast, of course, is, in fact, brought to you by the Podcast Mafia. Yep. The Podcast Mafia uh, already exists. We're just very secret about it because we don't want anyone to know uh, that that's how we make the majority of our money. I mean, if you're in the Mafia, Hank, you don't brag about being in the Mafia all the time. You just make jokes like, ha, 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 ha. Today's podcast is also brought to you by our Irish grandfather, our Irish grandfather, Definitely in favor of the unification of Ireland. (laughs) Today's podcast is also brought to you by the word y'all. The word y'all. It's the best plural you. And lastly, this podcast is brought to you by that big oh my gosh moment in uh, the second Star Wars movie. That big oh my gosh moment. (laughs) I'm sorry, you're my what now? This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know? that uh, about 5 billion billion that's a de- I checked that because that's a lot plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year and if that's not bad enough most cleaning formulas are 90% water which is heavy we're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to every year Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year this year maybe Turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. 
Blueland has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. All right, John. Um, do you want to do one more question before we move on to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon? Or have we gone long enough? Because we seem to have gone a yeah, long Yeah, we time. went way too long, Hank. we got to move on to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, especially okay. because it's the off-season, so there's so much news. Mmm, I feel ya. Uh, it's always the off-season for Mars. <laughs> <laughs> there are seasons on Mars, and they're all on. All right, all right. What is it? Uh, in a new paper, SpaceX founder, and you know it, uh, basically inventor of everything, Elon Musk, uh, has made his argument for a self-sustaining city on Mars. So not just going to Mars, he wants to build a place that can uh, make us a multiplanetary species because he's not busy enough trying to make every uh, Tesla supercharged station solar powered and also create a Hyperloop system so that we can have uh, uh, pneumatic tubes that connect our cities together, but also be uh, be a species that has a backup plan. Not that I think it's a good backup plan, as I have, have uh, said before. Reiterating, Very bad backup reiterating, plan. Reiterating, if Earth goes kaput, Mars will be a couple years behind. I don't, unless we're talking about like a 10,000 year backup plan. So, uh, and even as a, te- as a 10,000 year backup plan, we need a much more Earth-like planet, I would argue. Well, we, hopefully I, in 10,000 years, we could make Mars a more Earth-like planet, John. Maybe. May, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't seen a lot of evidence for that. But then again, to be fair, 10,000 years ago, we were just starting to think about agriculture. So maybe I'm not being fair. So uh, <laughs> that's very true. So uh, in his uh, in his little paper here, uh, Elon Musk he says that he's looking for a ten year time frame for sending the first colonists. He says that is feasible. John, what year is it right now? Uh, it's two thousand seventeen. And how when is ten years from now? It's twenty twenty seven. Hmm. Oh, I would be shaking in my boots if Elon Musk had ever made a deadline, ever. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, you know what, Hank? Uh, I believe, I'll, I'll, be, I'll believe that uh, humans will be on Mars in 2027 when my Tesla Model 3 costing $42,000 arrives at my house in 2013. <laughs> Elon Musk says there is a huge amount of risk. It's going to cost a lot. There is a good chance we will not succeed, but we're going to do our best to try and make as much progress as possible. So he also doesn't think he's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate his honesty. Um, The news from AFC Wimbledon is, as always, it's complex. Hank, you know, the biggest dream for most AFC Wimbledon supporters, aside from getting back into the football league, is to be back in Wimbledon. Right now, they play uh, okay. in Kingston at mm-hmm. Kings Meadow. They want to build their own stadium. They want to be back in Wimbledon at Plough Lane or across the street from the historic Plough Lane. And there is a plan to do that. And everything is lined up. They're, the financing is lined up. Everything has been agreed to. The plans have been agreed to. It's just now there is one more hurdle to jump over, which is that some people are saying that the Greyhound Stadium that will be demolished to make room for Plough Lane, which is a Greyhound racing stadium, and not, I I have to say, just being perfectly honest, a particularly beautiful one, uh, should be listed as a historic place in England, which would make it uh, impossible to ever do anything to it. You know, like how uh, Westminster Abbey is a historic place, so you can't uh, <laughs> tear down Westminster Abbey and build something else on its on its place, which is a lovely idea. I don't feel the same way about Greyhound stadiums myself. But uh, <laughs> that decision was delayed by the election. Uh, before snap elections, no decisions can be made mm, uh, before okay. within six weeks before an election so as not to use the political process to affect 
uh, outcomes, which is a good rule, I think, but an, an annoying one in this case. And the uh, instability that resulted from the strangeness of the vote mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. has left the whole affair a little bit up in the air. So we don't know quite where it stands and we don't know quite when it will be decided and we don't know quite what will be decided. That appears to be the last, actually last uh, hurdle to uh, Wimbledon's uh, plow lane dream uh, to being a team with a stadium in Wimbledon again and uh, closing the loop on this very difficult chapter, this now 25-year-long chapter in their history. So uh, I'll keep you updated on that, but that's the current situation. Um. Thank you for keeping us updated. I'm sorry that you apparently did not get any new players in the last week. Oh, yes, we did not. We did lose a couple new players, though. We, we lost, uh, uh, yeah, it's not great. Well, I mean, uh, this is the nature of football in the third tier. Like, Tom Elliott got a job playing in the second tier, which is right. incredible for him, and who would mm -hmm. blame him for taking it? And then uh, another player um, who has been really, really good for us left for the uh, Scottish League, um, where he'll be in the top league in Scotland and get to play Celtic and Rangers. And that's a cool, I mean, that's an amazing opportunity. So you can't, you can't tell players like Tom Elliott or Sean Kelly not to move on um, when they have those opportunities. All, all you can hope is that if AFC Wimbledon is the kind of club that builds and nurtures players to make them good enough to make those jumps, that more players will want to come and play at Wimbledon because they'll recognize that it's the kind of club where you become a stronger player and can move up the leagues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, John, what did we learn today? Well, uh, we learned that Hank and I are running a protection racket in the <laughs> podcast game. We learned that armadillos can swim, and so can everything, apparently. Everything can swim. Everything swims. We learned that bugs poop. They do, John. They're, they're just a tube. Uh, stuff goes in one side and out the other. And, of course, we learned that the Russians are coming for us, uh, and we welcome them. Uh, we welcome them with sure, open fine. arms. What? A, yeah, come. Yeah, you guys seem you seem great. Seem great. No issues there at all. And again, we want to say for the record because we do have a, a lot of Russian listeners who sometimes take uh, offense and with good reason uh, to the idea of the Russians as a monolith, yes, which of course right. they are not. So let's just be specific. We learned that Putin is coming, <laughs> uh, and we think we think. That that we are in great hands. Sure, yeah, just uh, don't just leave our emails alone. Thank you. Strong, capable, very strong hands. So so strong, so um, strong. They're going to hold us so tight, so tight. We're going to be like it's a little too tight. <laughs> oh, the, the white knuckle grip on the reins of your of your horse of control. And on that note, uh, thanks for listening to Dear Hank and John, a comedy podcast about mostly these days Putin. <laughs> Apparently. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our social media manager is Victoria Bongiorno. Our music is by the great Gunnarola. If you want to email us your questions, you can do that at hankandjohn at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, Hank Green and John Green. That's us. We're, that's, we, got, we got our own names on Twitter because we're great. Um, we were early. No, you, you weren't early. You did something to do that, didn't you, John? The important thing, actually, is that I'm not on Twitter. I haven't written one of my own tweets in almost six months. <laughs> well, you can send us to your Hank and John questions there, though, and we'll find them. Um, and I think all I have to say now is, as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.